we would like to welcome you to a new government in Canada. <laughs> yeah, it, it happened. And of course, uh, we here in the West, um, people were still voting, as a matter of fact, when they were predicting a, a liberal uh, majority. And of course, um, or a liberal government anyway at that time. Um, but then the polls closed and uh, the results are coming in pretty rapidly and it uh, shows that uh, I, our new Prime Minister will be Mr. Justin Trudeau and a majority liberal government. So uh, congratulations all around to uh, all the politicians from all parties who uh, fought a long, hard fight, the longest um, campaign in Canadian history. And uh, it was very interesting because I, I, I don't want to get into a political discussion because this is not the point of this program, but the thing is I thought at the beginning that uh, perhaps Canadians being a rather cautious sort of people, we always have been, and um, that we would vote for the status quo. But as the campaign progressed, I realized that there was change in the air. And in the last week or so, just just the vibe um, that I picked up from uh, people of uh, that I met, all walks of life, definitely there was this feeling of change in the air that we really need um, something, something new and something fresh. And that's what we have. So um, it'll be very interesting, our next um, moment in history, and see how all of that unfolds for all of us. And uh, as I said, congratulations to all the people, uh, all the politicians that fought a, a hard fight, and that must have been difficult for all of them. And I imagine now that uh, everybody can uh, relax a little bit, and uh, Mr. Trudeau has uh, a lot of work to do to get a government together and all that kind of stuff. So congratulations. All right, you are listening to <laughs> uh, me wax on about politics, um, and I'm not going to do that anymore this evening, I'll tell you, because the program is about music, and this is the jazz show on CITR 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. And we have, of course, uh, lots of things to play for you this evening, all kinds of music. Um, our jazz feature this evening is something very special. And we'll start with that. Uh, it is a great live performance done at a club that I visited quite frequently in San Francisco when it uh, existed. It was in the North Beach area. And it, no, it wasn't the jazz workshop. It looked a lot better than the Jazz Workshop. The Jazz Workshop was kind of uh, grotty, but it was uh, um, a marvelous and very historic club in San Francisco. This was a, a later club that was actually very, very nicely designed and uh, much newer and much cleaner and uh, everything else. The club was called Basin Street West. It was larger as well, and the sound in that club was very good. Um, actually, the food there was actually very decent. And of course, um, the service was very good. Basin Street West, and it was actually just down the street from the, uh, from the jazz workshop. And I, I heard uh, several bands there, including Miles Davis's and uh, different other people 
I wasn't there for this performance. I certainly wished I would have because I love Woody Herman's band, and he's going to be our jazz feature this evening. Woody Herman was one of the great band leaders in jazz history. We had Duke Ellington, of course. We have Count Basie. We have Stan Kenton. We had Woody Herman. And these four guys uh, really um, kept big band jazz alive. The big band era really came to a close about 1950. All the ballrooms in the uh, in the U.S., uh, people were looking uh, for different kinds of entertainment. Television had entered people's lives, uh, that sort of thing. There was all kinds of stuff going on, and so people didn't go out to these these ballrooms very much uh, anymore. Vancouver had uh, had a couple of those things. They had the Palomar Ballroom here, and, and so on, where you could go and and um, listen to a good band, and dance to it. Commodore Ballroom, of course, um, that sort of thing. But generally, the big band era kind of came to a close. And so many of these bands, um, the jazz bands, stayed alive with these four guys, uh, Herman, Ellington, Basie, and and Canton. Um, But the dance bands died. And, of course, uh, there was lots of unemployment among musicians because these bands kept a lot of musicians uh, in house and home. Woody Herman was one of those great band leaders. He um, was from uh, the—actually, he was was a well-trained musician and a very straight-up guy, uh, originally from Milwaukee. He was born in 1913 and uh, died in 1987. Woody Herman uh, um, lived a good long life, and he, he was, a, as, as I said, a straight-up man and uh, a very, very good band leader who took care of his musicians. He was kind of a father figure to uh, a lot of musicians, um, gave them wise advice. Uh, Woody was a man of moderate habits. Um, he didn't indulge in a whole lot of alcohol and uh, never used drugs at all and um, was a very responsible human being and good to his musicians. He just, he loved um, the musicians. They loved him, and they worked hard for Woody. Um, Some band leaders were martinets. They were dictators. They screamed and yelled at the bands and and, uh, intimidated the musicians. And uh, Buddy Rich, I can think, was uh, one of them. He used to go into fits of rage after a, a really good concert and, 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 and tear the heads off uh, um, the young musicians in his band. Um, there were other band leaders that were like that, too. Tommy Dorsey was like that and, and, and several others. Woody Herman was not. And these guys worked 110% for Woody because they loved him, and he loved them, and um, he paid them well and treated all the musicians that ever worked with his organizations with a great deal of respect. That's a real leader. And um, so Woody Herman had a whole bunch of bands. He really came to prominence in the late 30s. Uh, He was a very good alto saxophonist, um, a pretty good vocalist, and a wonderful clarinetist. So he was an excellent musician. And... uh, he took over a band uh, that was led by Ism Jones, and he took over Ism Jones' band and renamed it uh, Woody Herman's uh, band, and he called it the band that played the blues. And uh, they had a lot of blues in their repertoire, but uh, that band was a good band. 
uh, but it really didn't hold up against the, the major bands of the time, the Artie Shaws, the Benny Goodmans, the Count Basies, the Ellingtons. But in after the Second World War was just about over, a lot of the uh, young musicians were coming home, and Woody recruited a wonderful band of great, great players and formed his first herd. That's what he called it, the Woody Herman Herd. And it was herd number one was one of the finest bands in the history of jazz. And uh, their recorded legacy is quite uh, extensive. Woody, um, in 1946, broke up that band. He said he was tired a little bit and uh, wanted to take a little bit of a vacation and uh, regroup his thoughts. And uh, even though the band was extremely successful... Uh, he decided to uh, just stop for a little while and take a breather, and uh, which was good because when he decided to come back, he formed my favorite Woody Herman band, and that was the second herd. And Woody always kept up with the times. His own playing was, of course, rooted way back in jazz history and was kind of old-fashioned, but he always picked modern musicians. And the musicians that he hired for the second herd, a legendary band, were all modern uh, musicians and were all influenced by the music of Charlie Parker, Dizzy Gillespie, Thelonious Monk, and Bud Powell, and they brought that to the band. And, of course, the saxophone section was one of the greatest ever put together, and that was the famous Four Brothers saxophone section. The lead alto player was an old-fashioned guy. That was fine. He just played lead, never soloed. But the four other saxophone players were Herbie Stewart on tenor saxophone, Stan Getz on tenor, Zoot Sims on tenor, and the legendary and my favorite baritone saxophonist, Serge Chaloff. That saxophone section was so superb, and that band uh, included so many other modern musicians, Shorty Rogers, uh, Terry Gibbs, the great vibes player, um, all kinds of people. And the Second Herd was one of those legendary bands. They Unfortunately, they didn't record a lot because there was a recording band in 1948. And uh, somehow um, the Second Herd was not particularly well represented on records. But now we have a lot of live performances that kind of came out of the woodwork. Uh, so if you're a follower of the second herd, you can really capture. But there were herds after the second herd. There was the third herd. There was the fourth herd. And, and so many herds that uh, Woody lost count eventually. And the band we're going to hear tonight is probably an unnumbered herd. And if you ask Woody what, what number of herd he wa uh, this was, he probably couldn't answer. There was just so many of them. And this, again, was a young band that he put together. Um, in the mid-60s, and this is what we're going to listen to tonight on the jazz feature. And I'll run down the personnel very quickly. Um, on trumpets, Jerry Lamy, some of these names you'll know. Uh, Dusko Gojkovic was a wonderful, is a wonderful trumpet player from Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia. Great player. We'll hear him and, and some of his arrangements. Bobby Shue, who has played at the cellar, Corey Weed's cellar, great trumpet player. Don Rader, and Bill Chase. Bill Chase, may, many of you may remember, was uh, formed a very special um, jazz rock band in the 70s. And um, 
wonderful, strong trumpet player. On trombones, Harry Southall, uh, Frank Tzinski, and Don Doan. And then, of course, on saxophones, we ha- on alto saxophones, we have Gary Klein. And, I'm sorry, on tenor saxophones, uh, Woody plays alto, uh, clarinet, soprano saxophone, and sings, uh, the band leader. Then we get to the tenor saxophones, Gary Klein, and my one of my all-time favorite tenor saxophonists, the great Sal Nistico, and we hear a lot of him on these sides. He takes the bulk of the tenor saxophone solos. The other good soloist is a gentleman named Andy McGee. Um, on baritone saxophone, Tom Anastas. On piano, somebody quite famous, Nat Pierce, who can uh, conjure up uh, the sound of Count Basie. He, uh, he plays a lot like Basie plays piano. Wonderful and a great arranger. Uh, Tony, Tony Leonardi on bass and a wonderful drummer, a really hot swinging drummer by the name of Ronnie Zito. And uh, the arrangements are by people like Bill Chase, Don Rader, Dusko, uh, Gojkovic, Nat Pierce, Bill Holman, Ralph Burns, all these famous guys did arrangements for the band. So we're going to hear a whole bunch of tunes and um, sit back and enjoy a full set uh, as they sounded uh, in June of 1965 at Basin Street West. We open with a Bill Chase tune called 23 Red. Then we do um, one, the second tune, of course, is a very famous ballad, Rogers and Hart's My Funny Valentine. Then a, uh, an old piece that came out with the Woody Herman first heard, and this is an updated version of a tune called Northwest Passage, written by Woody Herman and Ralph Burns. Then we hear a great um, standard tune called Poor Butterfly, and then um, uh, a new chart for the band, that a very uh, hard-driving uh, swinging tune written by um, trumpeter Don Rader, and it's called The Greasy Sack Blues. That's a very descriptive title, isn't it? Then a tune written by Dusko Gojkovic, the Yugoslavian fellow I was telling you about. He wrote a tune, dedicated it to Woody, and it's called Woody's Whistle. There's a story there. Woody always, uh, when he was playing clubs and concerts, he had a, a whistle, like a referee's whistle. And uh, when the band heard that, it meant that they better get back. They have five minutes to get back on the bandstand and start to play. So <laughs> that's the way he would call the band back when they were all uh, in a club, uh, sitting around with friends and uh, having a taste and, uh, and that sort of thing. They could, everybody could hear this whistle. So that's what that, that tune is about, called Woody's Whistle. And we actually hear Woody Herman blow it on, on the tune, too. Then we have an old, old standard uh, that features uh, a little bit of soloing by Woody himself on alto saxophone, uh, an old tune called Red Roses for a Blue Lady. Then we go to Herbie, Man, uh, Herbie, Man, Herbie Hancock's great tune, his big hit, Watermelon Man. The band plays, really plays this well. And then we go to Horace Silver's great tune called The Preacher. Then we close with another great Horace Silver tune called Opus de Funk. And then we hear a little bit of the band's theme um, written by Ray Noble. And the, the tune is called Blue Flame. And we hear Woody thanking everybody for the evening. 
So this, then, is a full set and our jazz feature this evening, the Woody Herman Orchestra. Heard number, well, who knows? <laughs> Whatever. And I hope you enjoy this uh, great swinging band, one of the best uh, that Woody ever put together right now.
Okay.
Nesikov.
tiger in your tank and make it. Henry Southall, Watermelon Man.
applause for Mary Lou Williams.
dug it the most, and we'll see you soon, I hope. Good night. Thanks very, very much. Our jazz feature this evening, the music of Woodrow Wilson Herman, Woody Herman and his orchestra, a great addition of the many bands that Woody Herman put together. This one uh, was particularly um, classy, modern, and fun to listen to and was a jazz concert band uh, of the highest um, echelon. And... uh, all recorded at Basin Street West in San Francisco, a very fine club that existed for uh, a couple of years there in North Beach in June of 1965. And we heard uh, some great people in uh, in Woody's band. I ran down all the personnel for you, uh, so I don't really have to uh, go over that again. But I would like to tell you the tunes and uh, perhaps uh, highlight a few of the soloists. We heard a whole group of, uh, of um, selections from this band, which showed the range of the band. Uh, they had fun. It was a jazz band through and through, and uh, Woody was justifiably proud of this uh, particular crew, as he was with all of his bands. And uh, he was, as I said, he was a benevolent band leader, and the musicians just loved working for him. They, did, they didn't have to be browbeaten um, or disciplined, uh, in most cases anyway, and, uh, and yelled at and screamed at for uh, maybe, a, you know, an uninspired performance or, or some, you know, a little off night or that sort of thing. Um, most musicians always gave 110% uh, for Woody uh, without him even ha- having to ask. And so that's the kind of respect um, that he had. He was referred to, he was like a father figure for the band because he was much older than uh, most of the band members. And uh, they referred to him very affectionately as the old man. And um, he certainly was because he he had the wisdom uh, of uh, age and uh, experience and uh, was a stabilizing factor in, uh, in this band. Musicians look up to him. Uh, the tunes. Uh, we began with a thing written by trumpeter Bill Chase and featured all the the uh, hot trumpet players um, in the in the trumpet section. The tune was called Twenty Three Red, and it featured trumpeters Don Rader, Bill Chase, and Dusko Gojkovich. Then we heard uh, we went to a ballad, My Funny Valentine, and we heard Woody. Uh, a little bit on alto saxophone. Again, Don Rader on trumpet. Gary Klein on tenor saxophone. And then we went to this uh, amazing version. Of, this was an old uh, war horse from Woody Herman's first herd. And uh, this is a tune written by uh, Ralph Burns and Woody Herman called Northwest Passage. And it featured the great Sal Mystico on tenor saxophone. And Sal has always been one of my favorites. I used to... Um, talk about saxophone with my good friend Al Wold, and we both agreed that, that we both loved Sal Nistico, and uh, he's an amazing, was an amazing tenor saxophonist. So he was heard at length on Northwest Passage. Then we went to a, an old standard tune called Poor Butterfly, and we heard Woody on alto saxophone and beautiful 
well, Woody-sounding clarinet. Uh, he, Woody had a very distinctive sound on clarinet. Then we heard, um, we went to a blues called Greasy Sack Blues, written by Don Rader, the trumpeter. And that featured Woody again uh, on clarinet and uh, Mr. Rader on trumpet. Then we heard a tune called Woody's Whistle. And, uh, of course, I mentioned uh, what that was all about. That was written by Dusko Gojkovic. And uh, it commemorated Woody's whistle. And, and uh, in big dance halls or, or places like the Commodore Ballroom, where Woody Herman uh, did play, or big nightclubs uh, to sort of um, rally the band together for the next set, uh, Woody would blow this whistle and everybody would pick up on it and head toward the bandstand. And, and uh, they knew when they heard the whistle, they had five minutes to get back on the bandstand, get their instruments together, and get playing again. So that's what that tune was all about, Woody's whistle. And we even heard Woody blow the whistle on that tune. We heard uh, um, Dusko Gojkovic, the composer, on trumpet, and Sal Mystico once again on tenor saxophone. Then we moved to um, a tune... An old uh, tune that uh, Woody always liked called uh, Red Roses for a Blue Lady. And a nice arrangement of that tune. We heard once again Woody on clarinet and Sal Mystico on tenor saxophone. Then we moved to a great version of Watermelon Man by Herbie Hancock with uh, Mr. Nistico once again on tenor saxophone, Don Rader on trumpet, and some amazing trombone work by Harry Southall. And uh, also a little bit of Woody in there, too. Then we heard a Horace Silver composition called The Preacher, which once again featured Sal Mystico on tenor saxophone. And then we moved to another Horace Silver tune to close the evening, Opus Defunc, and that we heard a long piano solo by Nat Pierce, uh, who Woody jokingly uh, referred to as Mary Lou Williams. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, then we heard Gary Klein on tenor saxophone. Once again, Harry Southall on trombone. And uh, at the very end, uh, cooking along with the rhythm section, Dusko Gojkovic on trumpet. And then we heard a little bit of uh, Woody's theme, written by Ray Noble, called Blue Flame. And uh, Woody thanking everyone for the evening. And we heard basically a full set uh, as they played at Basin Street West in San Francisco. June of 1965, and uh, most of these things are from an album called Woody's Winners, and a great edition of the Woody Herman Orchestra, and our tribute to this fine musician. Just like to remind you now that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR 101.9, on your radio dial, FM, of course. And we're also on the web, www.citr.ca. And we shall return with a very special edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And I'll tell you this story after we hear uh, a few significant messages here. My name is Gavin Walker, by the way, and this is The Jazz Show. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenim-speaking Musqueam people.
Do you like friends? Well, we like you. So become a member and get a Friends of CITR card. Not only does it make you special, but it gives you all kinds of deals with our friends on Main Street, including 10% off at Anti-Social Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Red Cat Records, Woo Vintage Clothing, and more. Visit CITR.ca for more, or come check us out in the nest. Explore music that spans Eric Sadie's musique d'embouement to Lawrence English's dense electronic drones and nomadic streams, Vancouver New Music's 2015 Festival of Ambient Music. Nomadic Streams runs from October 22nd to 24th. For more information, visit newmusic.org. back. Last week I played, um, our jazz feature was actually Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers with Thelonious Monk, a very famous recording. And I did play an outtake to open uh, our feature. Um, what happened, of course, on that uh, legendary recording session, the original bass player was Wilbur Ware. Um, and unfortunately, Wilbur was not in any kind of shape to uh, re either record or play. <laughs> and, but I did play a track where one track, which was never issued, with Mr. Ware playing. And, uh, of course, uh, he kind of stumbled through the tune. And, of course, they realized that they would have to get another bass player if they were going to complete the recording session, which they did. And uh, I, I related that whole story last week. It's, it's pretty interesting, but it it's kind of draws an unfair picture of <laughs> bassist Wilbur Ware. And so I'm, this is kind of a little bit of making things up to uh, the late, great uh, bassist Wilbur Ware, who was a huge uh, influence on a lot of bass players, including Charlie Hayden. Wilbur Ware um, was a very simple kind of bass player, but deceptively simple. Um, he didn't play complicated lines. He didn't do, do a lot of stuff. He was, he was a self-taught musician. But the thing about Wilbur was his sound and his, his way when he was playing at his best. Um, his bass was so important uh, and did so much um, for the sound of, of any band. And his solos were really fascinating in their simplicity. And uh, we're going to give you a little taste of Wilbur Ware, um, some of his finest playing. So to kind of uh, uh, take away from last week's uh, performance, uh, Wilbur, of course, was, was uh, um, during his heyday, was, was a substance abuser, of course, sad to say, and also drank a lot. So sometimes the mixture of uh, the drugs he was taking and the alcohol uh, led to uh, some pretty um, inconsistent performances. But a lot of times he could rally. He, he could show up to a gig, uh, clothes looked like he slept in them, uh, he was all messed up and, and, and uh, hadn't had a bath in a long time and, and, and high and stoned and so on. But he, as soon as he picked up the bass, 
thing, things would happen for most of the time. And, of course, sometimes it didn't work, like on that legendary recording session. However, he is great on this very rare edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. A lot of people don't know, uh, after the original um, cooperative Jazz Messengers broke up, uh, because that's what it was called, just the Jazz Messengers, and it was a, a cooperative band, uh, the cooperative broke up, and Art Blakey took over leadership of, uh, and reformed the band and, and renamed it Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. So this is the first version after the original Jazz Messengers broke up. And uh, a very rare version. They recorded uh, uh, very, very little. We, won't, we really only have these two uh, great tunes um, from this edition of the Jazz Messengers. All of this was recorded June 25, 1956. The only holdover from the previous band was trumpeter Donald Byrd, and he is magnificent on these uh, uh, tunes. As a matter of fact, both of these tunes are his compositions. The other trumpet player and tenor saxophonist is the first Caucasian musician to join Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And he is from Chicago, and he is still alive. His name, Ira Sullivan. And we hear some great tenor saxophone work from him, as well as some very fine trumpet work, too. Ira played anything with keys and valves. And uh, even though his uh, tenor saxophone has a few, uh, he's working with one of those uh, squeaky reeds, which uh, we all have to face every once in a while. It doesn't matter. His, his message gets across. On piano, and I've always loved his playing, the great New York pianist Kenny Drew. And on bass, holding everything together, is the magnificent Wilbur Ware. And his work, as far as I'm concerned, is worth the price of this album. Wilbur Ware is absolutely magnificent on here. And, of course, on drums, the leader, the great Art Blakey. The two tunes we're going to hear by Donald Byrd, we open with a thing called Little T, and Donald takes the, uh, the first trumpet solo on here and sounds magnificent. And the second tune is called The New Message. And um, we hear both, uh, Ira Sullivan play both of his instruments on here, the tenor saxophone and the trumpet. He takes some exchanges with Donald Byrd, and you can hear the difference in the two guys playing when they're, when they're playing trumpet. All right, so here we go with this very rare edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, kind of making it up a little bit to, uh, to Wilbur Ware, because I, I think he's really the star of this. Here we go.
edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers from uh, this uh, band. Um, these recordings were unearthed, but they were never uh, um, commonly available. And uh, this was the first edition of the Jazz Messengers after the original Jazz Messengers broke up, uh, the cooperative band. And then they became Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, and he put this uh, particular band together. And we're playing it to sort of make up uh, a little bit to uh, bassist Wilbur Ware, who to me is the uh, real star of this, uh, those two recordings, because uh, his, his bass playing just makes this whole um, band really happen. And the only holdover from the uh, earlier band was trumpeter Donald Byrd, and of course he's in uh, beautiful form on here, just flowing, and a uh, magnificent trumpet player. And at the time, he was raising a family. He was studying for his doctorate at the Manhattan School of Music, and he was recording prolifically for all kinds of, uh, on different recording sessions, his own and, and others, and of course playing in this, uh, in this band as well. So uh, he had a lot on his plate, I'll tell you. And uh, he, it's amazing that his um, uh, trumpet chops were so uh, refined on this. And we heard the, uh, as I mentioned before, the first uh, Caucasian musician to join the Jazz Messengers was uh, Chicago-born Ira Sullivan, who is still alive and well, lives in Florida, and performs down there all the time. Ira can play any instrument with keys and valves. And he has done so on uh, albums. And we heard him here on tenor saxophone with a little bit of a squeaky reed, but it didn't matter. He got his message across, as I said, sounding a little bit like Sonny Rollins, early Sonny Rollins. And we also heard him on trumpet. And uh, in uh, some ex on the second tune, he uh, picked up the trumpet and uh, did some uh, exchanges with, uh, with Donald Byrd, a powerful trumpet player. And, of course, on piano, uh, always welcome... Uh, great New York pianist Kenny Drew. And on bass, I mentioned the great Chicago-born Wilbur Ware. And on drums, of course, the man who puts it all together was Art Blakey. And we heard two tunes, both written by Donald Byrd. The first one was called Little T, and the second one was entitled The New Message. Rare edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. We're going to uh, be back in a moment with some more Another session that uh, Mr. Wilbur Ware was involved in, and we're going to hear two tracks from that session uh, after these messages. But I'd like to tell you that you are listening to The Jazz Show, of course, on CITR FM 101.9, broadcasting out here at the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory. And we're also on the web. 
CITR.ca, and we have a very comprehensive website. Go check it out if you haven't already. And my name's Gavin Walker, and I'll be back in a moment with uh, another session featuring the great Wilbur Ware. some weather to tell you about. Tonight is a few showers um, ending tonight, and then it's going to be uh, partly cloudy and some fog patches and a little bit windy tonight. So that's what's going on. I mean, fall is here after all, and uh, a low of 11. But uh, it's quite a night for uh, the Liberal Party to celebrate, I can tell you. Uh, tomorrow is going to be cloudy um, and then it's going to be uh, in the afternoon, there's going to be a mix of sun and clouds. So that means a few sunny breaks. So low of 11 and a high of 15. Then showers for Wednesday and Thursday, lows between 9 and 13. And Friday and Saturday, um, no precipitation in the forecast, just cloudy with a low of 7 and a high of 13 on, on, on both days. So that's, uh, that's basically the weather picture. Uh, I'd just like to acquaint you with a couple of um, great websites uh, before we get into this uh, next music. The two websites that I always mention, one of them is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. These are the people that bring you the big jazz festival every year. And, uh, of course, uh, there's all kinds of links, concerts, and events uh, listed on that website, and you can uh, access it very, very easily. It's very friendly, uh, user-friendly, and uh, you can find out uh, so many things that are going on in, in Vancouver and uh, concerts and clubs and places you'd like to go, including the new club down on Beatty Street, which is um, Frankie's, and it's the uh, Italian restaurant down there, and, of course, they're going to have uh, great music uh, every weekend at Frankie's, and that's uh, right beside the Georgian Court Hotel on Beatty Street. And, of course, it's easily accessible by the SkyTrain, and there's plenty of uh, parking around there as well. But uh, there's more uh, on that particular website, so check it out. It's coastaljazz.ca. Redoubtable folks there work hard all year round to uh, provide you with uh, some of the very best music on the planet. And uh, they have concerts going on all the time, so it's worth your while to check them out. The other website, of course, is the uh, website um, put together by my old friend Brian Nation, and that is vancouverjazz.com. And that's a very comprehensive website as well. There's all kinds of links on that one, um, Opinions, biographies, 
Our jazz features are on there. There's always a write-up every week as to what the jazz feature is going to be. And, of course, as you know, we play the jazz feature first um, on the show. And um, so I write a little essay every week on Vancouver jazz to kind of um, bring you up to date as to what we're going to present the following Monday. So that's all on there, and that's... um, you can find that link, uh, Jazz on the Air. And biographies, interviews, uh, all kinds of stuff on that website. That's uh, vancouverjazz.com. And one more thing, my uh, friend Ken Speller, who is a music teacher, he has a business called Music at Home. And uh, he actually can uh, comes to your house and will give you lessons on the saxophone, the clarinet, or the flute. And um, he is an excellent music teacher. He's done that for many, many years, lived in Japan, taught, taught over there, and uh, is an excellent player and a very patient and thorough teacher. And uh, what, whatever level uh, you're at um, can, can improve it. Uh, he has a lot of knowledge. And uh, his other avocation is repairing musical instruments. And he does that extremely well because he has his workshop right in his house. And he is located uh, in the 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver. Ken has a contact number, and uh, of course, he keeps his prices very, very reasonable. And if you play um, a musical instrument like the clarinet or the saxophone or the flute, you know that they have to be kept up or else they're not going to make you sound as good as you want to sound. And Ken will make sure your instrument's in uh, tip-top shape, whether it's a tweak or an overhaul or whatever it needs. He can be reached at uh, 778-800-1933, or kspeller, k-s-p-e-l-l-e-r, underscore 14, at yahoo.ca. kspeller, underscore 14, at yahoo.ca. All right. Wilbur Ware, the bassist that, uh, well, we, uh, we played a track with Wilbur last week. Um, so this, this is kind of making things up to Wilbur. <laughs> we heard uh, his magnificent work with Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, the uh, forgotten edition. This is a recording now. We're going to hear two tracks from here uh, that are, uh, he did with the legendary tenor saxophonist Tyna Brooks, the late, great Tyna Brooks, who recorded several albums only one was ever released on, on Blue Note. He appeared as a sideman, but he recorded uh, actually four complete recording sessions, and they only, the, in his lifetime, they only released one. This one never came out, and it's too bad because it's a great session. It should have been released at the time. It should have been released when he was still alive, but uh, it didn't happen. It was recorded March the 2nd, 1961, Rudy Van Gelder's studio. We're going to hear two tracks from here. Uh, the people involved here, uh, Tyna Brooks on tenor saxophone, a wonderful trumpet player, one of my all-time favorites, Johnny Coles, little Johnny C. Once again, Kenny Drew on piano. Wilbur Ware on bass is magnificent. And the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. We're going to hear two tunes both written by Brooks. Uh, The first one is a blues, kind of a shuffle beat blues, and uh, they get into a real good groove on it. It's called Talking About, 
And the second tune is one of Brooks's uh, more elaborate original compositions called David the King. So here then, the legendary tenor saxophonist Tyna Brooks with the great Wilbur Ware on bass.
Two tracks from a posthumously issued CD by tenor saxophonist Harold Floyd Brooks, better known as Tyna Brooks. And Mr. Brooks, of course, one of the most uh, unique and passionate voices of the, on the tenor saxophone. And uh, he had a rather tragic career. We won't get into all the details, but. Uh, um, he died poor and broke in 1974, but he act basically stopped recording uh, after um, this recording session. But he had put four albums, um, recorded four albums for Blue Note, and only one was ever issued. Um, and, of course, we had to wait many, many years before uh, these things were uh, dredged out of the Blue Note archives and um, finally put out. And they're great sessions. This was his last for Blue Note. And um, the album came out, and it's called The Waiting Game because that's the name of uh, one of the tunes on, on, uh, on this date. And it's uh, really uh, Brooks at his best. Uh, Tyner Brooks on tenor saxophone. The wonderful Johnny Coles on trumpet. They made a beautiful uh, pair together. sounded great. Kenny Drew at the piano. The great Wilbur Ware on bass, who we're sort of uh, doing a mini feature on. And the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. What can you say about Philly Joe? All recorded March the 2nd, 1961. We heard two tunes from this album. Uh, first was a shuffle blues, basically, written by Brooks called Talking About. And the second tune was uh, one of his uh, better compositions, more elaborate compositions, I should say, um, David the King. And that featured some uh, incredible walking bass by, uh, by Wilbur Ware. Um, he added so much to the, uh, to the music. Uh, this type of jazz and this type of group, if you don't have a great bass player, uh, it's not going to sound. And Wilbur Ware was one of the finest. His feel was just totally unique. So, in a way, I was making it up a little bit to uh, the great Mr. Ware and uh, his abilities on the bass. He's considered one of the great geniuses of the bass and influenced a lot of uh, wonderful players, especially Charlie Hayden. All right. We're going to move to something very different now. This is a vocalist by the name of Cecile McLaurin Salvant. She has been recently written up in the uh, latest Downbeat magazine, and she has an extremely uh, unique um, and wonderful musical style, and she has an enormously flexible voice. Uh, she can do just about anything with this, with this voice, and I think she's going to be one of the great stars of the future, and she's already here now. So we're going to hear from this album. The album is called uh, For One to Love, and um, we're going to hear some, some tracks from this album. So Cecile McLaurin Salvant is the vocalist, Aaron Diel on piano, Paul Sickaby on acoustic bass, and Lawrence Leathers on drums. 
and we're going to hear um, three tunes from here. This is an old tune written by Ralph Martin, or Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine. And it's an old tune. It's an old pop tune from the 40s, and everybody sung this tune. I remember uh, hearing this when I was a little kid, and um, my parents sung this tune. It was very, very popular at the time, and she does an updated version. She lo- she, in, in the article, she maintains she loves this, this tune. She got turned on to it, I think, by her parents. The tune is called The Trolley Song. So we're going to hear that first. Then we're going to hear... Um, Clarence Williams, uh, Spencer Williams, Clarence Williams uh, tune called What's the Matter Now? And then we're going to end with a great uh, Leonard Bernstein, Stephen Sondheim thing from the West Side Story called Something's Coming. So I hope you enjoy the unique vocal stylings of Cecil McLaurin Salvant. I saw him, I fell. Chug, chug, chug went the motor. Bump, bump, bump went the brakes. Bump, bump, bump went my heartstrings. When he smiled, I could feel the car shake. He dipped his hat and took a seat. He said he hoped he hadn't stepped upon my feet. He asked my name. When he started to go, then I started to know how it feels. 
when he started to leave, I took hold of his sleeve with my hand. And as if it were planned, he stayed on with me. And it was grand just to stand with his hand holding mine to the end of the
It may come cannonballing down through the sky, gleaming its side bright as a rose. Who knows? It's only just out of reach, down the block, on a beach, under a tree. Got a feeling there's a miracle due, gonna come true, coming to me. Could it be? Yes, it could. Something's coming, something good. If I can wait, something's coming. I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be great. With a click, with a shock, phone will jingle, door will knock, open the latch. Something's coming, don't know when, but it's soon. Catch the moon, one-handed catch.
just by holding still it'll be there come on something come on in don't be shy meet a gal pull up a chair the
That was the unique vocal stylings of Cecile McLaurin Salvant. And uh, she is definitely one of the new stars on the modern jazz horizon. It's uh, <laughs> use an old cliche. Uh, she's been written up in the latest issue of uh, Downbeat Magazine, a very uh, uh, extensive um, headlining article. And uh, this is from an album called For One to Love. And it features uh, Cecile with her uh, tr trio with uh, Aaron D.L. on piano, Paul Sickaby on acoustic bass, and Lawrence Leathers on drums. And we heard three tunes. The first one was uh, the fun tune of the set, uh, an old song written by Hugh Martin and Ralph Blaine back in the day, and an updated version of the trolley song. Then we heard uh, a tune written by the uh, Williams brothers, Spencer and Clarence, and it was entitled, What's the Matter Now? And the final tune was an extended um, version of um, Leonard Bernstein's Stephen Sondheim tune from West Side Story and um, Cecile's own arrangement of this tune, Something's Coming. And that was the capper of the set. So we heard three tunes by this uh, incredible uh, young lady, and we'll be hearing more from uh, from this album. It's, this is quite a an adventurous and a very different uh, kind of vocal album. And she's got this voice that goes can go anywhere, and uh, with incredible range. Cecile McLaurin Salbant. Remember that name. All right. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9, broadcasting right out here in the University of British Columbia on unceded Musqueam territory, and of course we're on the web as well, CITR.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. We have a couple of messages for you, including this baby. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. When Shanna Larson was a little girl, she already had artistic talent, and it was clear that she would be quite an athlete. But Shan always knew what she wanted to do with her life. She wanted to teach. Shan was only 24 years old when she lost her life to breast cancer, and now it's her spirit that will teach us. Teach us to know the facts. For more information, visit teamshan.ca. Breast cancer, not just a disease of older women. Hidden City Records presents Data Plan, Summering, and Aura Kogan live in the Planetarium, October 22nd. An evening of incredible psychedelic art rock and psych folk featuring large-scale celestial projections choreographed by guest video artists Matt Crisco, Jared Brandle, Mohammed Ali Sharar, and Colin Elder. Located at HR McMillan Space Center. Tickets available at eventbrite.ca, Zulu, Redcat, and Dandelion Records. Doors at 8. We're going to take you back now. Oh, <laughs> not yet. We're going to take you back now to uh, Christmas 1949 in Carnegie Hall. 
in New York City. <laughs> Only in New York would they have a concert on, uh, on Christmas Day uh, in Carnegie Hall, and it features some of the great stars of jazz, and including, well, this particular band. This is an all-star. This is the Carnegie Hall All-Stars, and it features a young Miles Davis on trumpet, one of the great exponents of the baritone saxophone, the one and only Serge Choloff, Sonny Stitt on alto saxophone, and, of course, the gentleman that does our theme song, Benny Green on trombone. But what a rhythm section. Bud Powell on piano, who is just smoking on these tunes, Curly Russell on bass, and Max Roach on drums. Truly an all-star band. I don't know whether these guys ever got together again, these same people, uh, after this particular performance. But uh, we're going to hear two tunes from here. One of them is um, became a jazz standard. It was written by Denzel Best, and it's called Move. Uh, and there's an intro here with um, the, uh, the great uh, disc jockey, Symphony Sid, who was very friendly to modern jazz. And uh, the second tune is Tad Dameron's classic, Hot House. So here then is the R, the Carnegie Hall All-Stars. To this exciting rhythm section, we bring to you stars of jazz. First on trumpet, Miles Davis. <laughs> Little Miles Davis. On baritone, Sir Cello. <laughs> on alto, Sonny Stitt. And finally on trombone, Benny Green. Here they are. Thank you. 
Well, we're very lucky to have that uh, legendary concert preserved uh, with reasonable sound, considering, and uh, it was, was not a professional uh, recording, but uh, certainly you could hear everybody very clearly, and they all played so well. The Carnegie Hall All-Stars, probably the only time all of these same uh, gentlemen got together and uh, made some music, and the music was great. Miles Davis on trumpet. On baritone saxophone, Serge Chaloff. On alto saxophone, Sonny Stitt. On trombone, Benny Green. And the incredible Bud Powell on piano. Curly Russell on bass. And Max Roach on drums. And the, we opened with uh, a tune by Denzel Best entitled Move. 
the great solo by Miles Davis. And um, the second tune, of course, was Tad Dameron's immortal um, bebop national anthem, Hot House. And that featured an incredible piano solo by Bud Powell and uh, some good soloing by everybody else. Very, very high-level jazz. So uh, that was all played Christmas Day in Carnegie Hall in New York, a very special jazz concert. There were all kinds of other people there, too, including Charlie Parker and Lenny Tristano and Stan Getz and all sorts of other people. But that was the Carnegie Hall All-Stars. All right. We hope you enjoyed that. We're going to play some music to wrap up the show this evening by... Brother Youssef Latif, one of my favorite musicians, what an incredible tenor saxophonist and a very, very innovative musician. Youssef Latif um, recorded many, many albums, and uh, this one is um, one of my favorites. It was recorded in April of 1957. This was his working band that he brought from Detroit, and um, they were all living there at the time, and... Louis Hayes, the young drummer, was the only one that stayed in New York. He went on to play with Horace Silver and begin his career. But uh, Youssef brought them all to New York to record. And um, they worked, of course, uh, all over the Detroit area at the time. And, of course, they were a tight band. So we hear Youssef Latif on tenor saxophone with Curtis Fuller on trombone. He's another one that stayed as well, uh, um, stayed in New York. Um, after the, this recording session. On piano, uh, most underrated, one of the more underrated Detroit pianists, who I always thought was always at the top, Hugh Lawson on piano, and Ernie Farrell on bass, and young Louis Hayes on drums. He was only 17 at the time. And so we're going to hear a few compositions here by Youssef Latif. The first piece of music is called Passion. And uh, then we're going to move on to um, a tune called Pike's Peak, which is uh, based on the chord progressions of what is this thing called love? The same as Hot House, but it's a different type of variation. And uh, I don't know what we're going to end with, but uh, we'll figure it out. We're going to do three tunes, beginning with Passion. And uh, here then is the music of Youssef Latif.
That's it for the jazz show this evening. That was the ensemble led by the great tenor saxophonist Yusef Latif. And that was one of his uh, very early albums. And uh, most of these guys had just come to New York from Detroit. A couple of them stayed in New York. Uh, Curtis Fuller, the trombonist, and young Louis Hayes decided to stay and and uh, make their way into the jazz scene in New York. Louis Hayes was only 17 at the time, and Curtis Fuller was pretty young too. But this was a working band, and uh, Mr. Latif on tenor saxophone, Curtis Fuller, as I mentioned, on trombone, Hugh Lawson on piano, Ernie Farrell on bass, and Louis Hayes on drums. And we heard three tunes from this set, beginning with... um, the album uh, came out, actually was issued on Verve Records, and it was called Before Dawn. And it was quite a rare item, although um, later on when CDs came out, it was reissued. But uh, it was one of those albums that was really sought after by a lot of collectors. And uh, for good reason. It's good. <laughs> uh, we heard three tunes, uh, compositions by Youssef. Uh, the first one was entitled Passion. The second one was entitled Pike's Peak, and the final tune was called The 25-Minute Blues. And um, ending this edition of The Jazz Show. So we hope that you enjoyed the music this evening. And, uh, of course, we're all feeling pretty good about uh, the election and the results. Um, Something new. We hope that uh, things work out very well. And so congratulations once again all around for... Um, all of the politicians that uh, took part in this very, very long campaign, the winners and the losers. All right. Once again, we've come to another um, end of The Jazz Show. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have, you have been listening, of course, on radio station CITR FM 101.9 right out here at the University of British Columbia, and, of course, on the web as well, uh, citr.ca. We'll be back next week, same time, same station, with uh, a jazz feature on, because it's his birthday, the legendary tenor saxophonist Warren Marsh. Mr. Marsh is one of the most individual voices of the tenor saxophone. We've got a very special album as our jazz feature next week. Uh, to explore the music and the concept of Mr. Warren Marsh uh, because it is his birthday anniversary next Monday evening. So we'll be celebrating that. So do join us, and uh, we'll return, as I mentioned, next Monday, 9 p.m., The Jazz Show. Thanks very much for being out there this evening, and we shall see you in seven days' time. Take care. Bye-bye now.
Doop-a-dee-oo-doo-wee.